Hey, Nate. So uh, what do we got for today? We have some big, big kind of cool news to share, man. Oh, really? I, th- I think I, I think I know where you're going with this. Really? You do? Uh, well, I saw some things on Facebook, so I, I imagine I, I know what you're going to say. But uh, go oh, ahead. The time has come. Legion is almost here. The tabletop game. Yeah. I really thought you were going to, you know, bring up your wife's pregnancy, but um, okay. What are your priorities, man? Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Enjoy your stay, What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fun club. Welcome back, scoundrels, to another episode of Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. As of, as you know, we are part of the Star Wars Report Network, and uh, I'm the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris. And joining me, your other host, who's apparently going to be a terrible father, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. That was Michael's idea. Before the show, I had a better gag that put me in a better light, and he was the one with the priority problem. But no, he's the boss. I just, I, th- I thought it, you know, played funnier that way. Whatever, Mr. Danza. Get it. He's the boss. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, man. So you, you've got a kid on the way. I wanted to, uh, you know, go ahead and say now, congratulations. Um, but I guess that means, see, I, you know, I don't know that much about kids, so I guess, you know, we're not going to have a chance to play catch now. Um, well, I mean, I, th- I think we should be good. I mean, uh, it's, uh, yes, yes, you heard right, folks. Uh, my wife, after years of a lot of health issues and me having some, but not nearly as many as she did, um, we finally reached the point where that goal that we've been looking at for Five years since we got married finally happened. Um, so she's about three months in, and uh, in September we are expecting a baby, probably a boy, unless that flashing baby ultrasound was trying to show us something else. Um, and that means either a uh, Cade, yeah, as in Skywalker, uh, either Cade Butler or Leia Butler. The Leia was her choice. That's by actually the way. pretty cool. Um, one of the two um, will be showing up in September, but I think that you know. Things will be, I mean, I mean, everything will be different, but not nearly as different, I think, as for a lot of the guys out there who might be becoming fathers who don't happen to have the luck that I've had in having a, a profession of teaching online in this case, where a lot of time is spent actually just here at home, but working in my office. So I get sort of the luxury of being able to be a working dad, but also a stay at home dad to a large degree, kind of at the same time which should be pretty cool. Um, it does mean that I'm going to have to be very careful with all of these miniatures. <laughs> yeah. So they don't wind up uh, being taken, destroyed, eaten, you know, that sort of thing. Um, thankfully, I'm not of the kind that painstakingly paints them, so at least I, was, I won't have a painted one destroyed. I was just about to bring destroyed. that up. <laughs> I was like, how's, that, uh, how's those paint jobs going to hold up? Nope, nope, nope. Uh, that is why... We're going to one of the first things we're going to do uh, here once we get a chance to kind of get through our spring break is we are going to go buy a whole b- 
bunch of doorknob sets so that we have little locks that we can sort of pick and choose which rooms have locks. Because right now we realize we've got some rooms that have locks on one side and we don't have any kind of key to get in the other side of that door. <laughs> we bought the house. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We're, we're still kind of looking at how exactly is it going to work with my office. And there's a part of me that says, ooh, keep the kid from the bottom layers of shelves with the collection. And the other part is, dude, there is just enough space over there for me to lay out that entire playpen that we bought. Thank you, Babies R Us, for going out of business at just the right time. <laughs> Sucks well, for everybody else, but awesome yeah, for it's us. Like millions are out of jobs, but Nate got a great deal <laughs> on a playpen. And it was only like 10 or 20% off even, so it's not <laughs> it's even not that even awesome. That great. <laughs> that's really but, horrible. Um, but yeah, so, so that's big news, but also, uh, boss... Happy The Last Jedi digital release day. We're recording this on March 13th, and I totally just locked him into having to edit this soon, didn't I? <laughs> Wait, what, what's wrong with that? Just saying the, the day we're recording. I'm just saying, doesn't it sometimes take a while for the episode to get out? Oh, no, that's me with Beyond the Films. My bad, my bad. <laughs> um But yes, uh, Last Jedi is out, and I did want to see if, if, if it's fine with the boss here um, to take a moment and just kind of do a quick run through of what we know now because we got some updated information on what the u.s home video release is going to look like in about two weeks so if you are trying to decide which one to get you'll be able to sort of pick and choose because this is sort of my thing i wrote the book on it literally right? <laughs> um, oh. and actually just got um i was just invited to help moderate the facebook group uh from just that justin Berger put together that helped kind of keep my fires alive on the whole home video thing and make me realize there really was a collecting community out there. So That's I'm kind of honored to be able to give back to that community at this point. But uh, I'd like to kind of par parse that out for those who might not be aware yet so we can make sure that our listeners at least are informed as they go shopping. Is that okay? Well, yeah, but I was actually going to, I had just a quick little thing on this as well. Oh, go so, for it. So um, uh, Riley and uh, Bruce we're talking about doing a, a show or, you know, a v little viewing and commentary, uh, which will be tomorrow. Um, but of course, we'll have passed by the time this episode is out. But point being for, for right now, it's not happened yet. Um, but, uh, you know, they have a deal with Voodoo where they're getting uh, a 4K uh, code sent to them. And so uh, essentially, long story short, they're going to be heading over here. And we are going to actually be watching it. Um, so that'll be kind of neat. And actually getting to see it in 4K. That'd be the, only the second film that I've seen in 4K since I've had my new TV. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, we're. Um, it's funny you mentioned the commentary thing that they're doing because in watching it today, because of course I've got the digital version when I'm going to get all these physical versions and have other digital versions. Mm -hmm. I, I at least got the PlayStation ver digital version that doesn't synchronize through movies anywhere, so I'm not entirely redundant. Mm -hmm. um, not entirely, just mostly. But um, <laughs> just enough to get on your again, wife's nerves. I'm sitting back here thinking. I've got to do a commentary for this. I've been doing those right. commentaries for my Patreon for Clone Wars, and I'm going to start doing them for Rebels, but there's a part of me that's like, screw doing the films in order. I did some last year, or in the years past, I was going to do some more of the film commentaries. I could just start with eight. It's not like i got to go in order. Lucas proved that. <laughs> um, so, so we'll see, but there's a part of me that's just dying to do that because there's so much I want to sort of 
respond to and give why because I'm seeing comments and such online that just blow my mind of, of like, like, man, Luke was just a drunk uncle. And I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm I'm having to clamp my mouth shut, figuratively speaking. So I'm not like, are you an idiot? Let's talk about this. Um, <laughs> because it's never good to start a conversation online with, are you an idiot? Even though that is the assumed position of almost every argument anyone ever gets in on the internet. Um, so here's the rundown. Okay, so if you're going to buy... The Last Jedi on physical home video media in the U.S., you've got a few options. There is going to be a widely distributed DVD-only copy. It's not being well-publicized, but there is going to be one. So that's just straight-up DVD, no digital copy. You'll get your Disney movie reward points, and that's it. There is the so-called multi-screen edition, which actually has less multi than usual. So the multi-screen edition is this one that's in this new type of packaging that Disney's going to start making their standard. They started it uh, really, I think, with Thor Ragnarok. Basically, it has a silver border to it, and that one is Blu-ray plus digital. No DVD included at all anymore. Then if you're going 4K, like I'm hoping Michael will now that he has that TV, right? Um, There is the Ultimate Collector's Edition, which basically is just the regular 4K version. And that is in a gold-bordered package, and that one's going to have your uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray, your 4K Blu-ray, plus your regular Blu-ray, plus it'll have digital. And of course, when I'm saying Blu-ray, I'm meaning the Blu-ray of the film and the Blu-ray bonus features, right? Two discs. So that's all the regular releases out there. If you pre-order any of those regular releases through Disney Movie Club, you're going to be able to get a little tiny lithograph with it. But it's just the one lithograph. It's about the size of a postcard. If you were to go on the Disney Store website, not Disney Movie Club, but Disney Store, and put in a pre-order for the regular multi-screen Blu-ray and digital version of it, um, apparently not 4K, that's not available on their site at this point, um, you could get a set of four lithographs that are kind of big in a nice little container, kind of like they did for the last couple of films. So those are the regular versions you could buy anywhere else, but little lithographs if you happen to go through one of Disney's own outlets. If you want a Blu-ray, DVD, and digital combo pack, you actually have three different options to get those at this point. If you go to Target, you can get a Blu-ray, DVD, digital combo pack that's going to have a different slipcover, a little booklet, a special exclusive featurette about the Porgs, though we don't know if that's digital only or it'll be on a separate disc like they did with um, Rogue One because that seems to vary between films at this point. Um... So there's that one that's out there that you could get. Uh, if you wanted a Blu-ray DVD digital pack for, uh, in a steelbook, you could get one of those from Best Buy. Um, bear in mind that in the case of Target, though, if you want their exclusive version, there isn't a, um, there isn't a 4K equivalent of that at all. It's just the Blu-ray one. If you were to go to Best Buy, though, and you wanted to get a steelbook, you could get that Blu-ray DVD digital one or an Ultra HD Blu-ray, Blu-ray digital copy of it. So just what you would get in that Ultimate Collector's Edition gold border thing, except it happens to be in a steelbook, which is nice. And they have now finally announced that, yes, Walmart is supposed to be getting an exclusive version that has a package kind of like what Rogue One was at Target last time around which has sort of a red border around it and these little cards you can swap in and out as a cover. But that's another one that's going to be Blu-ray, 
DVD digital, no indication of there being a 4K version of that one. So if you want to vary it with 4K, you're going to want to go Best Buy with a Steelbook. All the other variants tend to be Blu-ray, DVD, digital, and then the regular ones, of course, are out there as well if you want to get those or pre-order them somewhere to get some lithographs. So lots of different options out there um, in case you're going to pick them up on the 27th of March. Okay, and just to make sure that I I didn't miss anything here, they're, this time they are not doing um, any sort of like extra footage exclusive, correct? Um, there is one exclusive featurette. It's about the Porgs, and it is from Target. Okay, and now that one you were saying, sorry, I, I thought, for some reason I thought you said like a booklet or something. Uh, yeah, there is a booklet, but there's also the little exclusive featurette. They're getting both gotcha. those, and they're getting an exclusive outer cover. Okay, but that is Blu-ray only. Correct. That is the Blu-ray DVD digital pack. You can't apparently get that as 4K, or if you can... For some ridiculous reason, they haven't announced it yet, so I can't – and it's not even on the uh, the Target website, so I can't imagine it existing if that's the case. Surely they would want to get the online pre-orders in for the 4K one if they could. Crap. So that means that I'm probably going to have to end up buying two different copies. Fun, fun. But remember, we still don't know yet. We won't know until release day whether or not that extra footage is digital only or if it's even on a disc. So there's kind of a that that's up in the air as well at this point. I mean, it is going to be an extra featurette, but we don't even know what form it's going to take yet, only what it's about. Right, right. I mean, I, now, it doesn't bother me as much uh because I I like to watch all my stuff digitally now anyway. I mean, for the most part I just take and load stuff up. Um I, you know, I I don't think I've watched my physical copy of Rogue One at all, and I think I only watched The Force Awakens once the physical copy uh everything else has just been um the the digital codes i've i've got to where i'm like i don't see the point anymore well i'll tell you i was streaming from playstation network the hd version of the last jedi mm-hmm. and i definitely noticed some color shifts at certain points that i think had to do with the streaming quality okay so i'm really kind of looking forward to the 4k and even the regular Blu-ray on physical discs so that I can have that consistent experience. Um, you notice one thing I didn't mention, though. What didn't I mention among those options? Uh, 3D. Bingo. If you want a 3D copy of The Last Jedi, you will not be able to get that in the U.S. To do that, you're going to have to import from somewhere. Your best option probably right now is to import it from the U.K., and it looks like if it's anything like what they do with Thor Ragnarok, they're trying to get into a pattern, apparently, of um, sticking with the whole... And you, and you see this with most Blu-rays these days, uh, being region ABC. So they're all region. They'll play in any player, whatever region you happen to be in. It's only really oddballs like Valerian that tend to have their 3D Blu-rays actually region locked. So um, you can import it fairly easily. Just bear in mind that the UK version doesn't even come out until April 9th. So you'd be waiting a little bit to get it. Right. And, and the import time, of course, but Amazon uh, Amazon UK and Amazon Japan uh, mm-hmm. tend to be fairly fast if you're ordering through them. It's it's the other sellers where the shipping methods can vary wildly in terms of right. how long it takes. But the Amazon overseas ones tend to be pretty quick. Yeah, and my thing is, you know, I, I'm a little bit, um, I guess not surprised, but, you know, I, I'm... I guess I'm the opposite. I'm not that surprised that they're they're not really doing it. Not just because of, of course, you know, they're 
slowly killing off 3D, but also uh, just simply the fact that, uh, um, th- you know, the film wasn't even really, um, like th- there weren't really many uh, showings. Like, you know, most of the time, if you want to see something in IMAX, you also have to, uh, you know, you also have to, to do the 3D thing with it. Whereas, you know, for, for this film or for The Last Jedi, that wasn't the case. Um, there was more, it seemed like there was much more showings that were, you know, it's like, oh, you can do IMAX or you can do just regular 2D, you know, and then there might be a 3D showing. But for the most See, part, like I said, my yeah. experience was the opposite, it, really? or not not entirely the opposite, but my experience was a little bit more even. I didn't mm-hmm. do IMAX. I just went to the Cinemark chain, and they got their XD kind of thing that's kind of like the middle step up towards IMAX, but not quite IMAX or anything. Right. But they tended to have showings that seemed pretty much split down the middle. You could go 3D or not, and it's up to you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and this is in keeping, by the way, with the pattern that we've seen, right? So... The Force Awakens didn't get a 3D release until months after its regular release, which annoyed a lot of people. And then Rogue One's 3D releases were only retailer exclusives over here, and now there's none. But if you look over in the UK, the UK had a 3D release. They had that later 3D release just like we did for The Force Awakens. But then for Rogue One, they had a wide 3D release. No big deal. Same thing with Thor Ragnarok recently. And now the same thing with Last Jedi. Um, so 3D is still thriving, at least it seems like, uh, over in the UK. I mean, when I got my Blue Fans giant, super expensive Chinese home video sets recently, they had 3D in it. But no, the US, not so much. No 3D for you. Right. But like, like I said, there's this film, There's it did not seem like they had any interest in, in it being 3D anyway. I don't recall. I, no, I did see it in 3D. I, I, I did see it, but I don't even remember. You know, it, it was one of those where it's just like, yeah, this did not need to be 3D. Um, it's just, you know, kind of annoying. It's like, oh, it's going to get kind of blurry if you take your glasses off. And that's about it. That's that's the only difference uh, from watching it 3D to, you know, watching it in 2D. Uh, they're just, you know, lots of times things may not be like oh it's coming at you or anything like that but you know there's just a a bit of depth to it but i felt like even for this one there wasn't much depth to it so i'm not i'm not that bummed out for this film uh just because of the way they showed it um so i'm not that that bummed out about it not being in 3d but of course you know i'll still take my 3d version of the prequels if they want to ever put those out at any point please do it please Please. Sometime before it dies entirely, <laughs> right? Um, I'm, I I want to see it in 3D because I'm a 3D guy. I like watching the 3D ones at home in my office. Um, it's I'll say that it's it's about on par, it felt like to me, with Rogue One's 3D. You know, it, it was a little bit better than what we got with The Force Awakens because The Force Awakens was more sort of looking into a diorama than it was anything kind of giving you that depth outward at all. Um but I thought it was pretty good. But then again, all the experiences that I had of watching it in the theater were 3D. I didn't do any 2D showings when it was just showing. So it seemed a little weird watching it today streaming and not having the depth there. So, you know, uh, to each his own, he says, before he uh, he, he, he goes and asks Lobot if there's a penalty for, for slapping the boss for not liking 3D um, or as much. So, uh, what else do we have? I want to get that out of the way to make sure everybody had that information. What else is going on this time? So, 
this is a, a little thing, but I thought it was mildly entertaining. So, uh, I Like put... me! A little guy that's mildly entertaining! <laughs> so do you remember when there was all that um, uh, hubbub about the EA Reddit response that has you know since become the most downvoted um uh reddit comment in the history of reddit nope <laughs> i'm just messing with you of course i do <laughs> like <laughs> anytime you ask seriously. do you remember you're setting yourself up but right. yes i do what's uh, new so uh a modder decided to go ahead and, and have a bit of fun with that and the the response was the intent is to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes. Uh, that was, you know, a part of their response to why, you know, essentially you had to uh, unlock or, you know, but even further, the, they were upset about um, the fact that it, you know, seemed like it was just set up that high to sort of force you to uh spend actual money to unlock them uh that was the the crux of it but anyhow in in a uh a way to kind of have some fun with that a like a game modder and, I, and i'm imagining this would be for uh the pc version reskinned the actual uh loot box so when you go into to open up your your daily loot boxes and everything Instead of your your standard sort of uh, grayish, silverish looking uh, loot box, it's actually sort of a, a bluish uh, tint to it. But it's essentially the um, you know that upward space uh, shot you know you see at the beginning of the Star Wars films, right right as as the crawl goes, and then it's in that uh, normal font, and it says "Pride and Accomplishment" on the the side of the loot crate. Very, very nice. Very nice. You can buy your pride in a conversation. I thought you were, I really thought you were going into dangerous conversational territory. I thought you were going to say that since they were talking about them being, being loot boxes and connecting it to pride, that you were going to say they were rainbow hued and that there was a, a, some kind of controversy about, oh, it's the gay agenda of the loot boxes or something. Thank God this didn't go into the dark corners of societal debate <laughs> that almost everything else in society has fallen into. The fact that it was just, it just says pride and accomplishment. That is the tamest possible thing I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's not, um, is a little jab at them, but, uh, at the mm -hmm. same time, it's, it's not anything just overly negative or, well, um, they could do something really great. Like, and, and I, and I learned this while I was playing, um, Oh God, what was I playing? I was playing Moss for PlayStation VR. And if you ever played uh, a game in VR where you're like outside of the action, kind of looking over it, I mean, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, it's one of those games that kind of shows you what VR can be outside of first-person games. Um, but every single time that the little mouse character, Quill, that you're controlling, finds like a little scroll that's hidden, every time she picked it up, I went, uh, especially when I was live streaming it, da 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 Right? Doing the, the Zelda thing. So that's all they need to do. Just every time you open a loot box or every time you get an, a, a, an accomplishment, a milestone done in Battlefront 2, just have it say, da -da -da -da. or when you go and spend crafting parts to unlock something, have a little voice say, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> Give us some humor to go with it, and we're good. Although I'm pretty sure that would involve licensing sound effects and such from Nintendo. Well, I mean, you could 
just do, I don't know, like sound effects from Star Wars. Or you could do instead of have it be and then pull the vanilla ice under pressure explanation. It's not really ding, 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 ding. It's ding, 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 ding. ding. See, it's totally different. We are going far afield. Yes, uh, we are. But uh, yeah, so speaking of Battlefront 2, though, mm-hmm. um, they did do some quality of life improvements recently. Um, I was marginally impressed. Um, again, and I've said this on streams, the few streams I've done recently, which is that there, there needs to be more to kind of draw me back into the game at this point. Right. But they have added in some new Hoth attire for some of the characters uh, like Luke and Han and so forth. Uh, They are supposed to be being unlocked by these timed challenges. And it's kind of weird because the time challenge themselves, you do the time challenge and it's like part one. And then you get a cosmetic crate and you're like, oh, a cosmetic crate. I'm I'm supposed to be unlocking cosmetic stuff for Luke. I'll go open that cosmetic crate. And it's just a random cosmetic crate of crap. And, Doing that first one, though, gives you the ability to do the second cosmetic uh, crate-based challenge, which is fairly easy, that second one. Do that one, and apparently that's going to open up a third, and it's basically like doing a string of those will eventually get you those costumes, but they're only available through challenges. They also made it – they did quite a few balance changes to the individual characters. They changed some spawn locations and things like that. Probably the thing that – stood out to me at least as probably the best thing aside from just fixing a bunch of bugs right was that um remember we had the whole issue of duplicate items in the supply crates and how much that sucked because you would spend all these credits on a supply crate and get duplicates and the duplicates weren't worth very much Mm -hmm. um granted they haven't really done a whole lot to fix that um, like they haven't switched it to crafting materials or anything but they have increased the amount that you get in terms of credits from each duplicate that you get. So, for instance, common is now 300 instead of 200. Uncommon is 600 instead of 400. Rare is now 900. Epic is now 3,600. Although, I don't know why they even have the epic thing unless you're just somehow crafting it or getting it from a a pre-order bonus or something because you can't get an epic out of a loot crate. So why would they tell us that it's gone up by that much? but yeah, so they so they're making it so that at least your supply crates, if it is full of duplicates, they're not as bad. And I gotta be honest with you, I've played a little bit more recently than I did before because I was trying to do the things to get those cosmetic um, things for Luke, which is which are the ones that they've set up so far. And it seems like in my loot crates, I'm getting less duplicates than I used to, and I'm getting the same kind of crates that I was doing for probably the last three weeks of playing heavily, which are the hero crates. Which makes me wonder if they've changed the RNG, the random number generator aspect of it somehow and just didn't tell us. I have no idea. Neither do I. I'm just saying that that's (laughs) one of those things that it seems like it's better. Um, And at least in their patch notes for patch 1.2, which is the one we're talking about that that they put in um, back in, I guess it was like uh, about a, a little bit earlier than this point in February. Um, they also include known issues, so they let you know what they're actually working on because they know those issues exist right. rather than just letting it be constant tirades on the forums. Why don't you include this? Why haven't you fixed this? Well, it's in the patch notes that they're working on it, so they're a little more transparent in that regard now. Right. Now, uh, going back real quick to the uh, the Hoth costumes, 
when when is the closing date? When when does that need to be completed by? Do you know? I, I wasn't seeing it as you know. I saw where it basically said that it's temporary, but it doesn't seem like they say when that will end. I will have to take a look, and I can do that while we're talking about more stuff, so that we can. Uh, mentioned at the end of the episode here, but as I recall, when I first jumped into that first Luke challenge, it had about a two-week stretch on it, uh, and then each of them has a fairly large window to get it done. Now, I'm assuming that the large window is based on a broad window for everybody, even though you don't see challenge part two until you're done with challenge point one or part one. I can't imagine it being you finish challenge part one, and then regardless of when you finish it, everybody gets the same amount of time for part two like it starts a countdown or something i'm assuming it's all just calendar based stuff right right that's um, what i was thinking is like but, it's done before... but yeah, i mean you, you still have a little bit but it's getting close on the part one but they haven't released part three yet as of today so i mean it, it part one and two so far i've done both of them one is get x number of kills and the other is um complete five objectives in any multiplayer mode which basically just means play galactic assault a couple times um and they, I mean, they don't give you anything that actually pertains to Hoth and Luke, so there's got to be more to it, and they still haven't done that yet. Um, I'm just, I've just been happy because playing though, playing to get those done got me to finally get the uh, the last of the specialist kills. So now I have the fourth specialist sniper rifle that is glorious and basically is almost a one shot kill from almost everywhere. Okay, even if you shoot him in the toe. So not sure it's balanced, but it's good for me. <laughs> so one other thing I, I wanted to bring up too is because you know it mentioned uh, a while back the uh, the whole microtransaction situation, and I was th I was thinking that it with this update that it was supposed to uh, enter, but you and I both checked, and it's still saying that you cannot purchase any of the the crystals. And I haven't seen any news on it uh, here recently, but like I said, it's back in early February, maybe even somewhere in January is when they said, yeah, we're bringing it back. And it's once again, I mean, we're looking at three months later and still nothing. Um, so that I mean, do you think at this point, like I said, with more time continuing to go by, I mean, do you really think that they're going to even bother I don't know, because now they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. If they had just said they might come back, right, and they didn't, whatever. But the fact that they said that it would come back and that they were working on it. Because it's not just that, though, remember, because they said that they were overhauling the progression system itself. So, And they kind of tied those two into the idea that they're working on them at the same time as part of the same overhaul. Um, maybe that's patch 2.0 or something. Uh, but I don't know, because... I mean, I'd, I'd say that you're right in the sense that at this point it seems too little too late, perhaps, um, or just why bother now? But they do still have another season of content coming. And if that new season of content ramps up interest again, that might bring enough attention again and players again to make it worthwhile to go ahead and try it. I mean, from a reputation standpoint, I mean, the damage is done. They're not going to be able to get that back, but at least if they want to implement a change, putting in the time and effort now would be the time to do it or, or as they're gearing up for the new season. Right. Um, now another thing is because we talked about how much, 
you know, I guess how notorious this game has been because of its microtransactions and, and what that has done to the gaming community as, as a whole. Um, they've actually now uh, ESRB, which is I'm not 100 percent sure what that stands for, but it's basically the. Uh, the gaming uh, ratings that they get. So if it's like, oh, it's E for everyone or T for teen or... That is the Entertainment Software Rating Board that was formed after, you know, for a while there, you could have their own ratings for different companies like Sega. Right. So here's the thing. Um, They are now actually going to be putting labels on games that actually have... Uh, microtransactions within the game. Uh, kind of. And, right. and before we dig into this, I do uh, have an answer for what you asked a moment ago. Okay. Um, as of six o'clock or so p.m. on March thirteenth, it is saying five days and zero hours left for both Follow Orders, which is Luke Part Two, and One Hell of a Fighter, which is Luke Part One. So we're looking at probably. Unless that's reading wrong somehow because I finished them. Like it just reset to like a random, ah, five days, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. We should be looking at March 18th to end at least the first two of the Luke challenges. Um, but on the whole microtransaction thing, they're not saying they're going to label if there's microtransactions. They're saying they're going to label if there are any in-game transactions at all. So if your game has an area in the game like the original Battlefront did where you can click to buy the season pass or DLC, you're going to get the same label as something that has microtransactions in it. Right, yeah. Or, Which is, I feel like that's that's helpful, but not really. That's, you know, you've been shot, here's a bandage. Okay, <laughs> get the dang bullet out, and then we'll talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wish they would do it kind of, I, I wish there was an actual system um, like they do where, you know, it's, oh, this means it's going to have this and this or whatever, rather than just, you know, a blanket, uh, label. Uh, because of course that that's been the biggest criticism for it is they're like, okay, it's, there's a big difference between, oh, Hey, this has, um, you know, oh, you can go buy different skins for the game versus, oh, you know, there's this exploitive, um, system here for uh you know basically just continuing to to take your money well let me suggest something here that it's not all necessarily going to be bad news because remember when they did um when when, you know when movie ratings initially were being used i mean i know when my childhood it was just you know uh pg-13 parents strongly cautioned what does that mean you Mm -hmm. know Am I going to hear somebody cussing? Are you going to hear an F-bomb? Am I going to see some body parts? What's going on with that? Um, but now they have the descriptors beside it. Um, there are descriptive content labels for video games. Some games seem to use them uh, and feature them prominently. Others just use the little tiny rating category thing like you know T for teen where it just says teen, T, ESRB, and that's it. Um, but I believe that games are expected now to have the content descriptor with it. So if it's going to say, you know, in-game transactions, then maybe they can make it just a little bit more specific in it. Because it's not – I haven't heard anything yet about the idea that, you know, kind of like, like MPAA ratings are ridiculous, right? Like, uh, like why is this movie, uh, you know, PG? Well, because they say the S word once. 
Okay, well, this movie doesn't say the S word and has a lot of really violent stuff in it. Ah, but they didn't cuss. It can be G or whatever, right? They, they seem very random in terms of how they're figured out. And that's always been a criticism of the MPAA ratings. I'm kind of thinking the video game rating is sitting there still kind of being the same thing. But they haven't said anything that I know of about any impact on the actual rating of having those transactions. Like, if it's got this amount of violence, M. This amount of violence, T. Uh, this amount of sexual content, adults only, A-O. This kind of microtransaction, this kind of in-game transaction, ah, we'll just put it in the descriptor. You know, like, should they... And that's the question I'm asking here, because um, I probably think they probably shouldn't. But do you think that they should let whether or not there are in-game transactions or what kind they are actually affect the rating of the game the way that other content would? I don't think rating of the game, no. But like I said, I would like to see um, like a scalable or, or at least you know a different type of thing to where if it says like, for instance... I mean, this is silly, but like S for just skins or, um, you know, uh, if there's something for like post-game DLC or, you know, something like that to like where they could actually kind of break it down into what um, like categories and then they would just kind of have a little, you know, and if, it, if it's all of those, then you just kind of get a little symbol for each one. But according to... Um, the, the ERSB, they said they don't want to confuse parents with various types of labels, considering that most pa parents have no idea what loot boxes are. Um, so they're just basically doing this as, like I said, you know, this blanket uh, label. And, and the problem is that almost every game offers that now. Mm -hmm. So so that label is now going to be on everything. So then it essentially ends up being ineffective <laughs> yeah because because meaningless because it's right. everywhere um i would say though that what what makes me wonder is and i, I was about to say are we going to see this of course we're going to see this <laughs> um instances in which prior to release a game announces a certain type of downloadable content or announces no downloadable content or in-game transactions or anything like that at all and then post-launch they're like you know what we think we'll add some now all of a sudden, you've got a game that has in-game transactions thanks to a patch that wasn't in the initial game and wasn't labeled on the initial packaging. Are we going to be chasing them around and making sure on websites and whatnot or on digital purchases that the ratings get changed or the content labels get changed? And what do we do about all those physical copies out there that now are no longer accurate in their label? Um, like, you, like, at least with movies, if you get a director's cut of a movie or if you get like a... Um, an unrated cut, that's the point. It says unrated, and you kind of know, okay, this does have that extra content. I can't go by this label that was for the original theatrical version. I don't quite know what to expect of this unrated version. But you don't really have that kind of approach taken to games because it's all post-game patches. It's not different editions released in different um, venues or different uh, physical copies. Right. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's The whole thing's a mess. But, Look, uh, <laughs> all I know is that when my kid starts playing video games, I'm using those parental controls, and he ain't buying nothing. I'm going to just tell my kid to go outside. Cade Skywalker was a death stick addict. My child will not become a microtransaction addict. <laughs> Very good. Um, so with that, do you want to? We actually got some uh, some email. Do you want to jump into that? Sure, and. Uh, uh, 
in homage to the first podcast I ever had a chance to be a guest on, the one that inspired my first podcast, Chrono Radio, the old show Digital Llama Radio. May I say, we've got letters. We've got letters. We've got stacks and stacks of letters. Letters, which I think they ripped off from like Letterman or something. Uh, we have one here from Dom, Dom Nardi. Dom is one of these guys that actually writes in a lot to Star Wars Beyond the Films. In fact, I think in our feedback episode that I just finished editing, he has a message. So it's kind of cool to see him crossing over here uh, without John Edwards' help. All right. <laughs> All right. I was waiting to see if anybody would get the John <laughs> Edwards joke. And I'm not talking about the politician. I'm talking yeah, – anyway. Yeah, talking about um, the uh... – Oh, yeah, it, wasn't the, it the one the the guy who could like basically see dead relatives or whatever? I I'm sensing you've had a relative that passed. I'm <laughs> yeah. sensing a fifty fifty chance he was a male, but the other fifty fifty <laughs> might be female. I believe this person died because they're no longer breathing. Were, were they no longer breathing? Yes, that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, talk about going far afield. Um, dumb had this to say, and bear in mind that he also included within this email a big chain of discussion that we had uh, on the Beyond the Films Facebook page. There's not really the time within the episode to go into it in detail. We have an interesting exchange over there, uh, and he's provided some food for thought for the next time we really start getting into the microtransaction discussions. But um, the shorter part, with a bigger point that he sent, says, Hey, Nathan and Michael. Hope you're doing well. I had an interesting conversation with Nathan on the Star Wars Beyond the Films Facebook page. I thought we raised a few issues that might be relevant to the Cloud City Casino show. In particular, I'd be curious if you think Disney should reconsider its decision to give EA exclusive license to make Star Wars games. Between the controversies, EA's decision to shun single-player Star Wars, and the fact that the Battlefront games haven't been reviewed well, I can't help but feel we'd all be better off if Disney let other companies, like Naughty Dog, try their hand at Star Wars. Love to hear your thoughts. Sincerely, Dom. Uh, yes, is my answer. Thanks. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> um, I, I will say that as much as I would love to see Naughty Dog do it, Naughty Dog, and he just used Naughty Dog as an example, but one of the things that stinks about the game industry um, but sells consoles like mad is that there are some developers who are exclusive to certain consoles. And Naughty Dog is one of these that is a Sony group, you know? So you'll see maybe people from Naughty Dog, like Amy Hennig, leave the company and work on something else. But in order for it to actually be a Naughty Dog game, I believe it would have to be a Sony exclusive. But the point is well taken here. My, I would sort of turn that around. I would, I would say what Michael said. Yes. Yes, it would probably be all of us better off if the license wasn't exclusively with EA. Just like I would say we'd be better off if the license for card games and such were somehow split so that the physical and digital card games were different licenses somehow, or at least it was broken away from the way it's handled now, so we can have an awesome like, you know, a card game app, aside from that stupid Force collection or whatever it is, um, and have card games or fantasy fight games. You know, give us something like that. But my fear is the same kind of thing that was that for the longest time was keeping us from seeing, you know, unified style releases of home video stuff from 20th Century Fox and Walt Disney Home Video, right? It's two different companies and even if, you know, you wanted to do something, there's a contractual thing standing in the way. Like uh, until we knew that Walt Disney was about to purchase all those uh, entertainment assets from Fox, not all of Fox, but the entertainment assets 
we could never expect to see a release through Disney that was going to include A New Hope because they had those rights in perpetuity. Um, but you're able to kind of get over that legal hurdle. Well, here we've got another legal hurdle, I think, because I can't imagine that somewhere within EA's contract for that exclusivity with Lucasfilm and Disney, that somewhere in that contract it would say, and if your games are controversial, we will pull the license. Like, usually there's some kind of clause that would allow a company to back out of a contract, well, but uh, once that contract is in, something has to blow it up. And I don't know, as crazy as it's been and as meh as these reviews have been, um, I don't know. I don't know that EA's done anything yet that would push the line enough to break the contract or allow there to be an escape clause to let Disney walk away from it yet. Um, I think it'd be great if they could, but I don't know if it's possible yet. I mean, do you know anything specific about how EA's... I mean, I know people have been talking about it a lot lately. Maybe somebody's mentioned a specific aspect of it that I just haven't heard of, but it seems to me they would have to do something more egregious than just tripping over their own feet constantly in their search for more money. Well, so I think I think there's two things. Um, one is I think from what I was hearing is they were saying that basically uh, the contract date may be coming uh, to an end before too long. Ah, see, that would do it because they could just not renew the contract. Right. Um, but the other one is um, because from and, – and now I can't remember this because it was uh, – Something I, I'd saw where it was like um, it was an the article was actually on like Twitter or something like that, and I never like copied it over. But point being, um, it it seemed like there were were some sort of validity to this, other than just simply someone being like, "Hmm, what if?" Um, but I, I can't state that a hundred percent. The other thing, though, is that there there could be a an agreement of uh for instance how much content ea has to put out and that if ea is not meeting that then uh that may be an issue as well so for instance Hmm. they um you know it seems like they've they've only been putting out a game every other year and right now there's like nothing on the docket (laughs) you know so it it doesn't seem like there's like going forward, what what's the next game to come out? We have no idea, and so basically, if if they fail to um, to get the game out, and and there's something in that contract that states they have to put out a game every year, or every other year, and they don't meet that, then that could be an issue. That could be. That could be. I know that in a lot of of contracts for businesses. And for various, you know, public service positions, even they have sort of a morals clause in there. And I know that sometimes in business you see that, but you also will see, you know, you know, if, if it doesn't reach a certain profit level, you know, you don't get a bonus or something like that. But I wonder if there is an ethics clause that at all could be used in this case and bring and and use some of the EA's bullcrap as a morals thing. I doubt it. But if Disney tried to pull it and then EA fought back, it just makes EA look worse. Right. Um, but then you also have the question of, you know, well, maybe they just, maybe the sales just aren't where they should be. And if they've got a clause in there, it's not about bonuses, but that's actually about, at least for EA, about whether they keep the license or not, that could do it. But yeah, there needs to be 
something. Um, but we've seen licenses change hands before. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we saw the switch from Dark Horse to Marvel. We saw the switch from uh, Bantam to Del Rey. Of course, all kind of under the bigger, bigger umbrella now. But I don't Decipher, know. Yeah, yeah it would definitely be Coast to Fantasy Flight Games. Yep. Yep. Oh, so oh, fine. Pull out the game examples on the game <laughs> podcast on me. My um, bad. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's certainly something that should be examined. You know, right. because and again, it's it's all it's not even necessarily, you know, because because it's EA that has the exclusive rights to the publishing. But there are different teams working under EA that work on these games. Um, if they could just get EA's some of EA's stuff out of the way and let these companies do the games, give them more creative control, more control over some of the policies surrounding it and the monetization of it, maybe you'd be able to see it stronger. I don't know that DICE in a lot of cases were the ones that we can imagine really pulling the strings on, we're going to do this type of microtransaction. This is right, how we have to monetize. Right. it. That's much more of an EA thing. But again, how are you going to pay for the game without something like that? So we, we've talked about that before. But yes, um, it'll be nice to see it switch to someone else if it switches to someone else. But I mean, who are they going to move it to? And of the different publishers out there that are multi-platform, how many would you trust with the franchise looking at the other franchises they've dealt with? I mean, Ubisoft? You know, who does this go to? Um, th- that's the problem when you have a consolidation I- in terms of the gaming market or any entertainment market where there's not that many parent companies anymore. So- at least not for big AAA games. So I think this brings up uh, an even better question, which is, so then did Disney really mess up by dissolving LucasArts? Yes! (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, were you wanting more detail? I just answered you the way that you answered Dom. I I just thought that you may pause for a second or or anything, but no, you you seem like you had that one loaded and ready to go. Yeah, and and before Battlefront 2, I would have said that I just want a freaking company making Star Wars games that gives a damn about Star Wars. Right. But I think with Battlefront 2, in terms of the you know the visual and sound fidelity and stuff and stuff like that, but the campaign that they gave us, I think there are people that care behind it, but I think that it's one of those ones where well, we've got to make the game that fits this model that they think is going to sell better. That's going to you know, it, it's all the business decision. And a lot of the creative love that goes into it, you don't see. Like LucasArts, you could see a lot of times a solid blending of the love of Star Wars and the business side, even sometimes to their own detriment where they put the love of Star Wars ahead of some things they could have done with the game that would have been more financially profitable but would have detracted from the game. Um, But no, we don't have that now, unfortunately. We have sort of the... The top-down corporate structure. I mean, that was always the genius of Lucas and Lucas's companies was that it was sort of they got to do their own thing until they eventually got sold off to someone else or, in the case of Lucasfilm, just got – or not Lucasfilm, Lucas uh, Arts just got shut down. Right. Um, and, and when those entities are gone, they don't tend to come back, and the, the things that replace them don't tend to be of the same vein, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's – I mean, it's also kind of surprising a bit just because – like we've mentioned before, uh, Disney likes to do things themselves. You know, they they seem to sort of think, why pay? Why should I pay this person to do something that I could uh, do myself? And you know, then I'll 
I, I can just make all the profit. Uh, but they sort of went the opposite here. They said, well, we have this you know, way of, of making the money, but well, let's just have somebody else do it and we'll just kind of reap the, you know, some of the, the rewards of that. Um, and at the time, you know, I thought it kind of made a lot of sense, uh, especially knowing like the, um, uh, the development hell that, uh, 1313 was in and, you know, seems like they were sort of, um, stuttering there, but in all fairness, there were some other circumstances to that. Uh, of course, you know, we, we know that 1313 was originally meant to be um, sort of uh, not, I, I want to say saddled, but I think that sounds a little negative. But, but it was basically supposed to be in, in conjuncture with the uh, Star Wars Underworld show, and, and it just kind of kept changing what it was going to be. Um, and then, of course... Uh, George sold, uh, you know, Lucasfilm during that time. And, and that, of course, uh, put a big pause on everything until they completely shut it all down. So, uh, you know, like I said, at the time, I thought that it was the right decision. But now I'm, I'm kind of thinking um, that, that potentially it would have been better to have kept that going just so that they could they could have their hands on it a little bit better. And, and once again, you know, I mean, we've both stated several times that we're not like, like we get the point, but also we're not, you know, we're not the ones, you know, breaking out the, the torches and pitchforks against EA for this. It, um, I don't, you know, I think for the most part, they made a pretty good game. It's just that now, uh, I don't see anything on the horizon and, I would really like to see something, you know, I'd, I would like to see some news about some games coming out. I, I, it's just, it's very unfortunate that we seem to be getting so little. Yeah, it's, I mean, even with all the different teams they can go to and all the different division of labor they can do within that EA umbrella, we don't really have a lot that's coming on the horizon, or at least a lot that we can speak of with any certainty right. uh, coming on the horizon beyond just sort of, well, this is kind of what we're planning, and, you know, in a couple of years, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would say that to to your point about the idea of should they have shut it down or not and, and whatnot, I was not a big fan of the move in the first place because I tended to like the track record of LucasArts. Um, but I would say that, you know, a lot of the vote, the opinions out there that I heard about it was, well, at least it's getting out from under Disney. Disney controls the movies and they're screwing them up. Disney controls the books and the comics and they're screwing them up. At least somebody else will be over the games. Well, I think I trust Disney over the Star Wars games, like over, say, a uh, LucasArts than trusting EA over it at this point. <laughs> um, just from a business model perspective and a track record perspective, at least uh, so far, though, it does kind of make me sit back and think, you know, because Dom said Naughty Dog. Right. And I'm thinking consoles at this point are so equivalent that what they use to try to win the console war tends to be those exclusives, which a lot of times are just we get access to these maps for the newest Call of Duty 47 <laughs> right. two weeks early. Or something like that, you know? Imagine if so, if Microsoft or Sony, or Nintendo, but <laughs> who 
are we getting? <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> uh, just from a standpoint of, of outside third-party exclusives. Um, if Microsoft or Sony, one of those, were to secure exclusive rights for Star Wars games on their console and produce them through their in-house companies, like the teams that make the Uncharted's or that make the Halos or that make the God of War or Gears of War, think about how impactful that would be, assuming they're going to have a steady stream of games, how how much that could sort of unhinge and unbalance the console wars. I mean, I know that PS4 at this point, from a sales standpoint, has the leverage at this point in this generation of console wars. But even then, there's still, you know, a fairly even fan base out there where you can't really say, well, this one is super better than this one. It's all about the games. You know, it's all about which games you prefer. Put Star Wars on just one of them and watch what happens to the console wars. So, uh, what I think would happen, uh, pardon my language, but uh, the bitching would be outrageous. I, th- I think that uh, in the same way that Reddit exploded for the, the microtransactions, I think we would see something similar because if, I mean, if we're talking all of the Star Wars rights ended up being locked to one console, whether that console be Xbox or whether that console be PlayStation or whether that console be the, uh, not the Wii, what is it now? The um, Switch. Switch, there we go. Um, everyone else who has the, uh, the other system uh, and PC gamers would be livid. And Exa- Exactly, and nobody would care about microtransactions or The Last Jedi anymore. Well, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but um but nonetheless they they would care about that. So I you know, so my thing is what if they did it by um like a game by game basis? So for instance Or franchise by franchise. Like uh, like not Star Wars franchise, but like Republic Commando over here. Right. Steel Republic over here. Right. Well and like I said, if they basically just sort of had projects. So so let's say for instance Let's look at the Switch. What if they did like a a Rebels game that uh, kind of yeah, they really it'd be kind of hard to do because they really did wrap all of that up. Um, <laughs> but um, just saying, or you know, maybe they find maybe they take Hondo or something like that and just do an offshoot game where you play as Hondo. Um, you put me on the Switch. That is not the best way to make a profit, my friend. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, but you know, maybe do something like that, and then maybe they they put um, you know, their next shooter game on the Xbox, or um, you know, they they put their next uh, more action adventure type game on on the PlayStation. I still think you're gonna get some. You're gonna get a lot of people angry because then it's gonna be we gotta buy multiple consoles, which granted a lot of hardcore gamers do anyway. But yeah, you would get the same thing. I think it'd be it'd be game by game griping as opposed to. I'm right. just thinking, you know. I was just playing devil's advocate. That no, would totally unhinge yeah. the, the console war. But at the same time, you know, those are the companies that are putting out some real. I mean, you look at stuff like Horizon Zero Dawn mm-hmm. for for PS4. That's a fantastic game. And part of it was we're going to make this badass game because we want to make sure that people have an, another reason to choose our console. Um, when it's just something that's cross platform, you don't really have that motivation is just let's give them as much money as possible it's always about profit but you don't have that sort of brand motivation i guess i mean i can't imagine anybody at dice 
who's making Battlefront 2 going, Woo, we're going to score one for EA, baby! The... No. Right, yeah. Yeah, they're just... They're, they're right now they're like, we're making... just going to hope that EA doesn't hurt us. <laughs> I imagine, I kind of imagine at this point, and, and forgive me, I've just now in the last couple of weeks, watch Les Miserables for the first time. Uh-huh. And I imagine the opening of Les Miserables where you've got all the, the convicts who are like hauling up parts of the ship out of the water and they're just all, I mean, you know, Hugh Jackman's Jean Valjean just looks like hell. Um, and there's Javert just kind of looking over them like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, every, and the lines are, you know, look down, look down, basically, you know, keep your eyes downcast so that they don't wind up treating you even worse. I kind of feel like that's dice right now. Like, look down, look down. EA is over your shoulder. And it just, it's not good. Um, and, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's that we need to see more instances where, I mean, the publisher is is kind of stepping back and the publisher just publishes the damn game. Right. As opposed to having managerial and game creative control. But that's not the, that's not the universe we live in anymore. Uh, uh, although we might have at one point, uh, Mandela effect, baby, Chick-fil-A, chick with a K. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, uh, yeah, I mean, what, I, what I, are we talking about? <laughs> I, I think we've said all we can say on that. Yes. Um, so then let's get back to where we started the episode then. Legion. Yeah. Not, not now, Legion. Now, we'll, now we'll really change the pace and get on a positive note. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is going to be positive. <laughs> um, I'm excited for Legion. I still am very excited for Legion, but there are things that I'm hearing from these early sets that have gotten out. The uh, Secret Squirrels? Early reviews that kind of... They've dampened my enthusiasm somewhat. Are, are you talking about uh, word from the secret squirrels? No, I'm I'm talking about uh, in my case uh, some very valid concerns that it seems brought up by Charlie Hall over at Polygon. Maybe he's a secret squirrel. He could be a secret squirrel. I believe that he may have just been at Gen Con because I think they were doing a lot of stuff with Gen Con. Um, but okay, so. A lot of stuff that we kind of thought we were getting with Legion, or kind of assumed, I guess, we were getting with Legion, we're not. And some of it's our fault for assuming. Some of it's their fault for what they've shown us and not clarified. But, for example, uh, we've said on the show previously that one of the cool things about Legion was that Legion appeared to be painted, whereas Imperial Assault was not. Well, no. Legion is not painted miniatures. Um, the starter set comes with 33 unassembled plastic models divided between the two factions, and they are not painted. They are glorious, they are beautiful looking, but they are not painted. Um, we do not have anything but sort of a skirmish mode in the core box. There is no campaign mode or anything like that, which is certainly a lesser thing, in my opinion, relative to what we got with Imperial Assault. Um, I would have hoped to see something uh, of that type. Um, we find that if you want to be tournament ready, you're going to need to buy at least two box sets or a box set and a bunch of expansions, um, because you will not be able to get any kind of, of tournament ready group ready to play out of that core box as if, you know, tournament players are going to do just the core box, but still theoretically you can't, um, the instruction manual of how to play the freaking game isn't in the box. You have to download it as a PDF from FantasyFlightGames.com. They're going green, man. 
I guess. And when it comes <laughs> to um, playing and the number of dice you need, I mean, Fantasy Flight's always been the, had this thing where they have these very specific proprietary dice for all their different games, and you can always just get an extra set if you want. Or, it was an, or download the you, dice app. Um, that's one thing I or, always or get the want dice to throw app. out there. Or get yeah. the dice app. Um, but generally, you'd have enough to play the game. It's just that maybe each player would be handing the dice back and forth. Okay. Apparently, for Legion, you don't even get enough dice to really play with one player because you are constantly going to be re-rolling this on the same, uh, say, the same attack or the same defense. You're going to be re-rolling the same dice over and over again and adding them up in your head instead of just being able to roll it once and having enough dice to just roll and look at the freaking numbers. Um, it, it just really is is frustrating sounding, and we're at the point now where they have 17 Legion products that are up for pre-order at this point. They just announced two playmats. They just added um, the priority supplies with these little battlefield bits and pieces uh, and a barricades pack. They had already announced uh, snow troopers and veers and then Leia and the fleet troopers, plus all the stuff that's supposed to be coming out um, with the initial game, including, of course, another movement tool, range ruler, dice pack kind of thing. Um, and these are, and we've talked about this before, these are not inexpensive pieces. No, you buy one ATST, it is 50 bucks if mm -hmm. you don't get a discount on the online retailer you're going through. The core set is 90 bucks. Um, the Stormtroopers, 25 And it's just going kind of over and over. Just, it seems to me that there's a disconnect between what we thought we were getting in relation to, oh, this will be worth the extra cost, and what we're actually getting. And I don't know. Like, there was a part of it that was like, this, I hope this will be, you know, a success right alongside Imperial Assault in a way that Armada hasn't been able to be with X-Wing. I hope that if this winds up sort of overshadowing Imperial Assault and Imperial Assault goes by the wayside, that this will be a very strong game. And boy, look at those components. Don't they look nice? But it seems like a lot of that rug has been pulled out. And, you know, even if it was just going to be Legion, there was a part of me that was kind of like, okay, well, you know, the market can survive two Star Wars games and maybe it'll wind up being one eventually. Um, but we'll have a strong one either way. I wonder if they're setting up an implosion of Star Wars uh, infantry-based miniature game right now. I wonder if this is going to draw enough people away from Imperial Assault that Imperial Assault starts to die, and then they realize Legion isn't quite what they expected it to be, and it starts to die and never really picks up steam, and we wind up with that whole chunk of the FFG Star Wars miniatures games starting to collapse in on themselves because there's, there's a lot about these pre-release reviews that are blowing my mind that they're just not quite as it appeared. Not enough freaking dice? Not tell us until now that they're not going to be painted miniatures despite the price? Why are we only hearing this about a week from street date? Oh, that's why. Because it's only a week from street date and we've <laughs> all got our pre-orders in. Yeah, I mean, is there ha have they ever said specifically whether or not it would be painted? I mean, I I just always assumed they would be painted, but uh, I mean, everything I they've ever shown us it seems like has been painted, right? And 
that was the only that's the only rationale I've ever seen people able to give for why these are so much more expensive miniatures than what we got with Imperial Assault. Now I'm just assuming it must be a better material so they're not as flexible. Well, and one thing is I know they're definitely larger. Um I, I remember they showed um the ATSTs side by side and it looked like the uh the ATST for Legion was almost twice the size. Um that's good. That's good. But, but I'll not, be honest, the looking nice. at the um the individual uh miniatures, like looking at the little stormtroopers and everything, I think I mean, I would have to look at them side by side, but I think looking at them, I actually much prefer, um, you know, the, um, uh, gosh, sorry, I'm having a little bit of a brain fart here. Um, you know, I prefer the older uh, sculpts than, than what we're getting here with Legion. Really? Yeah. See, so- I think the new sculpts are, I mean, the new sculpts look great. It's just, I expected them to be painted. Now that I know they're not, I will get over it very quickly because... I play Imperial Assault without it being painted. I just expected them to be, and I want that to be part of the justification of the cost because it costs so freaking much compared to Imperial Assault. But, I mean, you look at some of these. I mean, Polygon's got a nice review of some of these, but the speeder bike, Stormtrooper sort of leaning back with the blaster, um, the giant uh, the, the giant guns in the hands and the rocket launcher in the hands of these Stormtroopers that have some really nice armor where you can really see the segments. Um I kind of like it. I mean, but, I mean, really, though, as long as the friggin' lightsabers don't constantly bend to the point where it's almost impossible to make them straight again, mm-hmm. then I would argue that it's probably a better material and a better presentation. But still, how are they justifying this massive price gap? Is it just a question of size? And if so, I want to see some direct comparisons as if I'm going to cancel the pre-order. Of course, I'm getting them so I can review them. <laughs> I'm, I'm like that. Um but I'd really be interested in seeing a comparison of the size between the actual miniatures, not just the larger, like, walkers and stuff like that. Like, wh- how does a stormtrooper compare to a stormtrooper, that sort of thing? But I guess we'll see in about a week. Right. Um, and, and I'm sure I can do a quick, uh, uh, you know, Google search here and, and um, see how they look against uh, Imperial Assault. Uh, that's, that's Michael's way of saying, gee, Nate, you could have done that yourself. No, 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 no. I'm, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, partly. Uh, well, because I, I'm curious, too. So, actually, I'm looking at it right here. Uh, I'm looking at a Luke. And it's, you know, it's funny because if it, when you look at it, yeah, he does look kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a touch larger, but not not a ton i mean if anything it's more uh i don't know it's it's weird i mean i would say he he's slightly larger but only slightly and and yeah definitely looking at them i think i prefer the uh i prefer the older luke to the newer one um because the older one i think looks just like luke whereas this newer one almost looks stylized well let me ask you this then so, I mean, like I said, I, I'll have to wait to wait to actually see them. I think I like the newer look to them. And, yeah, it does appear. I saw – I'm able to see a couple of shots. It looks like the size tends to be about the same. It's just that with that ATST being so much taller, it's much more in line with the size of the ATST in the movies in terms right. of scale compared to the individuals. It's just that the Imperial Assault ones were so much shorter than they probably should have been. Right. Um, but I look at everything that they posted about 
Legion, and they're constantly showing painted figures, painted figures, painted figures, painted minis. Okay, they promoted the crap out of Imperial Assault before it came out, and they have promoted the heck out of it since. I can't remember seeing hardly any, if any, news bites on Fantasy Flight Games' own website, especially during the promotional period for Imperial Assault, that showed us a fully painted set of everything that you'd be getting in that box when they weren't supposed to be painted. Right. That, to me, screams they were going for that impression. Unless mm-hmm. they were just assuming, well, see, people who play Imperial Assault like these grid-based miniature games, and people who play Legion are going to be more like the people who like these Warhammer games. And, of course, people who play the Warhammer games know you get the unpainted miniatures, and then you paint them, and there's a paint guide you know, that's in the instructions and stuff like that, and you're, you're good. That They just kind of take for granted that that audience is going to know this and assume it. Well, that's great and all, but with Star Wars, you have a broader audience out there who's going to be probably jumping into your game that aren't going to take that for granted because they may not, like me, have ever played a game like that before. They may have seen games like that played, like I have, but never played a game like a Warhammer before. It just it just doesn't sit right with me. I'd be interested in what the audience thinks on this in particular. Mm-hmm. Um so send us the emails. Tell me I'm wrong, um, or <laughs> yeah. agree with me and give me some rationale as to uh, as to why. Because I'm not sure that I'm communicating it right. Other than <laughs> what an opinion, man. I think no, I, sound I mean, like a child yeah, right I mean, now. it's uh, basically I, I'm I'm with you because it's yeah. Your your point is everything that we've seen, um, we see painted miniatures with Imperial Assault. Everything that they showed us was unpainted miniatures. It's I mean, I mean, I'm looking at promo shots right here. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the the Lando and um, Bosk. You know, none of that stuff was painted. Um, but every every shot that we have seen of uh, Legion has been painted. And like you said, there there's definitely been an upcharge in what a lot of these expansions cost. Now, granted, it it was a hundred dollars for a box of Imperial Salt versus the eighty dollars for a box of Legion. But what you got from the box of Imperial Assault is much, much more than the box in Legion from, from what I'm seeing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, you got you got all your stuff, plus you got your two uh, ally and villain packs uh, for those. So, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I need to, to really sit down and, and look at the contents of this. But n- like you said, not even having like a nice glossy uh, rule book, that's. That's a bit disappointing and and frustrating because I don't like um, PDF stuff because you know what I like to bring my my rule book mm-hmm. you know I, I like to have it with me just to kind of flip out I don't want to have to you know I'm not going to bring my iPad uh, to the game store and I'm not going to sit and print out you know uh, a hundred page uh, rule book especially considering that probably a lot of it's going to be in color I just you know I. Uh, I will say, I, to their credit, I do like that in Polygon... Well, Polygon raises interesting points. They do talk about the good aspects. They also point out those things that were red flags to me. But I do like that when Polygon does show some examples... And you can find this. Um, this is an article posted on the 27th of February, it looks like. Uh, Polygon.com slash 2018 slash 2 slash 27, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm assuming it was February 27th. Um but they've got shots of actual gameplay, I guess, from maybe from a convention. Um, and they, it shows, you know, the different buildings and whatnot that they've got on the play area. And they say in the little um, 
the caption, a diorama from Gen. There it is. A diorama could, for, would help if I read the whole caption, right? <laughs> a diorama from Gen Con 2017. The Learn to Play book includes basic instructions for painting, but also for creating scenery exactly like this out of stuff you can find at the local hardware store. So they are at least telling us, hey, all these cool settings and stuff. Yeah, you're gonna have to go buy stuff and build that yourself. It's not actually gonna be coming with the game. Uh, but to their credit, Fantasy Flight Games gives suggestions on how to do that because that would be something entirely new uh, for someone like me. Um, they do give you the barricades and stuff like that, and you can get like supply boxes and whatnot, which are of course in separate expansions. Um, the barricade one just gives you double the number of barricades in the regular starter set. But it is at least nice that they're sort of saying, hey, we know you might want to really kind of, you know, make this fancy looking. So if you do, then go get um, these things and here's a way to build it. I'm, I'd be curious exact to see exactly how detailed their instructions are, but at least they're there. But and now those are in the box that comes in the box, it says the learn to play book. Is okay. So, so the rule book, the fifty-page rule book, is the PDF you got to download. But the learn to play guide, which is just a quick little thin booklet that gives you the very basics and then sort of leaves you on your own, mm-hmm. um, like we got from some of the other ones. Except then you had an actual rule book. Um, the learn to play guide that's in the box gives you some painting suggestions and instructions, and gives you suggestions on creating scenery out of stuff you can buy at a hardware store. You know what? I know why they did this. Um, I'm I'm gonna give them a pass on this actually because it, it uh, just a pass occurred, on a pass on what part on not including the rule book. Okay, H- here's why? why. This is a competitive game. Um, unlike Imperial Assault, which is a game that has a competitive element to it, but also very much a more uh, laid back, relaxed type of uh, situation where you can just kind of play with friends, go through the campaigns, whatever. This is uh, more specifically a, a competitive game. And with those types of games comes frequent uh, FAQs and, and up rule updates and things like that. So, uh, so you're expecting them to just update the freaking rule book. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think essentially what's going to happen is hmm. in, in an effort to continue to adjust that for everyone and and so that people can continue to refer to that and have the most updated rules they're basically training you to to continue to go to that same spot i think Ah, there's the word you just said training training you (laughs) because i was about to say wouldn't it have just made sense to give a rule book and just say for uh, for the most updated rule book download the rule book from the site and just update the rule book on the site just like they're doing with the frequently asked questions but right there you said it and cut and, and cut off that thought if they are trying to train you to go and get the most updated information off their website before play that is the way to do it make that the only place to go yep i i i, I can see that i still think it's crap but <laughs> i can see them doing that like i can right. see if that's what they're trying to do um but it really does mean that this is much more catering to that competitive mm-hmm. audience which you know warhammer does too i just right it just it strikes me as just kind of an odd and I then again, you know, like you said, they they may be deciding to go green for all we know. <laughs> um, but but if they're gonna go green, then I can't wait to get my uh to get my package from Miniature Market where it's got a little tiny expansion that it's about the size of like half of a shoe in a box that could fit like fifty hardback books, like they keep shipping them. So you know, 
that'll be nice. But that's that's more on miniature market than anyone else. But right. the irony is a little thick on the paper saving. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, at um, that just clicking for me actually makes me feel a little bit better about it. But I, I still. I don't know. It's like I said. I'm I'm a little chapped by the um, uh, showing nothing but painted miniatures. And and granted, they as a way of getting around that, they're like, we're gonna we're gonna include directions of how you can do this yourself. Yeah, but I will not do it myself. Just so you know. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's not going to freaking happen. No, I I hear you. It's just I'm just saying. I, I feel like it should have been made a little more clear that these would not be painted instead of every single thing you see being mm-hmm. uh, painted. So, um, And painted nicely. I mean, it, it, and, and so uniformly, you think they must have come out of the box like that, but... Well, I don't know. See, that was my thing, and I think we actually mentioned it last episode or maybe the one before that, that I said they actually looked... To me, they looked like they were hand-painted. Um, so... And of course, now we know it's because they were hand painted. Yeah, um, it would have been nice if, even if they could have just done something like a sun drop. Like I just backed um, the Kickstarter for the Nemesis game, which is sort of an aliens uh, killing off a crew of of a, a spaceship kind of thing, almost like you know take take aliens and put it on the ship from Alien kind of thing. Um, and one of the options there was they're like, yeah, it's just prohibitively. Uh, expensive to do all the painting for these miniatures, but they're offering what's referred to as sun drop, which is this thing where sort of they give it all a, a sort of a, a uniform hue of a, of a kind, so that they look nicer than if they're just straight unpainted. Right. But they're also not fully detail painted either. Um, but yeah, I'm I will not be painting because uh, uh, I would be if Snoke were here, he would berate me as a "you paint like a child with his <laughs> fingers." You know, it's not gonna happen. Or, or uh, Thrawn, he he could criticize your artistic ability. He would say that his were so artistically done, right? But well, not mine. I, I think he would sit down. You know what he would do? He would sit down and look at how you had painted your... Examine uh, my life through the painting. Yeah, and, and so he would have completely <laughs> figured out how your, like, what your play style is going to be and everything based on how you painted your miniatures. So, <laughs> I see your Duros each bear scars that you created yourself. I see from this you are the child of a divorce. <laughs> that's, that's basically what he would be sitting there doing. You just start crying as, as he's just completely demolishing you. <laughs> I see that your ATST is slightly tilted compared to the orientation of the rest of your figures. I see from this you are suffering from undiagnosed erectile dysfunction. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> This has nothing to do with the game. Stop it. <laughs> That's and what it really of course, is. Nicholas didn't believe it, you know, and, and Arhinda Price would turn to be like, how did you know that? He's like, I was just psyching him out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. The art cultures and how they paint them. And it, this is going to become a running thing now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should. Hey, do you want do you want to help us out with this joke? Uh, you got something for us? I know uh, Stuffity is a very talented guy. I'm not sure if he still listens uh, to our podcast, but maybe maybe There's he's got something still for us. still listens to our podcast. Do what? What'd you say? I'm not sure why anyone still listens to the podcast, but yeah. Well, that's 
you know, when we get it out so irregularly. Uh, that is what she said. <laughs> uh. Says the says says Grand Admiral Thrawn, but that's okay. <laughs> I need to work on a Thrawn voice now is what I need to right. do because right now Thrawn just sounds like a slightly less a horse version of Snoke. Right. You know, and he's and he's still in one piece. Yeah. I'll I'll have to get Stop the uh, I'll have to get his little you know, the theme song that he has just to kind of play uh behind you as you, you do the, the Thrawn voice. <laughs> there you go. I see you're back in I see by your concern over the number of dice that you will one day have trouble paying your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, there's so much that we could do, but I should probably, I should probably stop. Um, save it for the yeah, next episode. I'm, I'm still looking forward to Legion. I just, now my expectations are way lower than they were. Right. And that's unfortunate. Like at the, at, at, at the beginning of, of, you know, or not the beginning, but say like within the last month or so, knowing that it was coming out, I was kind of as excited as I was at the beginning of the show in our little skit. <laughs> right, now, right. Like, okay, Legion's it's coming. I'll get it when it finally shows up in the mail. Okay. Right. Well, hey, um, you got you got any uh, thoughts on Legion, or I don't like some creative uh, ideas or. You know things you want to throw at us for Nate's new Thrawn segment that he's gonna uh, keep bringing back. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he completely forgets about it. Come next episode, that's a possibility. Legion, worst <laughs> X Men show ever. <laughs> I didn't watch it because I had Aubrey Plaza, and I'm like, nope. I didn't watch it because I watched a couple episodes and I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't even watch those. And, and Thrawn apparently not. That's what I I, I, w- I was speaking for Thrawn. Oh, I oh, gotcha. So anyhow, y- any of those things, you, you want to do any of that, then uh, go ahead and reach out to us at... Uh, reach out to us at the email. That's the best place uh, as far as if you've got any uh, thoughts you want for the show. Uh, which is just cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Uh, if, if you reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook, it's just, you know, Cloud City Casino on those. Um, we'll definitely get back to you, but we're more likely to remember and actually say it on the show if you send us an email. Um, but I'll I'll try to remember it. Like I said, if you if you send us something on uh, on Twitter, I'll, I'll try to remember and, and uh, copy that over and get it out. Um, it's just with, with all the, or lack of news that, uh, we're being hit with here. I mean, we're, we've pretty much turned into a monthly show. Um, and then of course, matching, uh, mine and Nate's schedule up is also a little difficult because he's, he's a little more free during the day and I'm more free during the evening. So we kind of have to try to find that overlap. Um, and then now he's like, well, I'm having a baby. I'm like, well, great. I guess I'll just figure something out myself then. I was about to make a Thrawn joke, but no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, we, we can make the, uh, we can make the baby, we can make baby Kate or baby Leia a correspondent for the show and just kind of, we can outdo our buddies over at Padawan Perspective with the age of the, uh, that's the right. child we get involved and just be be like, so what do you think, Kate? Was a miniature tasty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So I'm buying another copy. <laughs> that kind of thing. Right, right. Oh. Now, what happened to that token? Don't eat the evade token! <laughs> eh, there, there'll be plenty more. They're just cardboard. True. 
True. True. Oh, you meant the evade token, not the kids. Good, 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 good point. Wait, good point. Kids, kids aren't. Kids are not made of cardboard. I will keep that in mind. I will jot that down. I I know nothing about parenting. Um, So anyhow, yeah. And then, of course, you can find me over at uh, Morris Isley on uh, Twitter and and, and Instagram. Hey, Nate, where can people find you? Well, you can find my YouTube channel over at YouTube.com slash Chrono Radio. That's Chrono Light Chronology Radio. Lots of new episodes of things like from the Star Wars Home Video Library going up with some weird finds. And eventually I'll be showing all the stuff for uh, The Last Jedi from the U.S. and the U.K., and even something interesting I'm picking up, as I often do, from Japan. And then, of course, uh, you can find my Star Wars Timeline Gold over at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash Timeline. You can hear me on Star Wars Beyond the Films with Mark Herleman, also at StarWarsReport.com. And uh, my book, A Saga on Home Video, A Fan's Guide to U.S. Star Wars Home Video Releases, is available multiple places, but the easiest way to get that is on Amazon at this point. So uh, I am all over the place. I see by your many links you need a centralized website. Oh, you have one and don't use it. I see that you are lazy. I'm just too busy, man. (laughs) I'm too busy making stuff to actually work on the website to tell people where to find it. Right. Um, But uh, where you can find us of course you know is, is on uh, any of your podcatchers um i mean we're, we're pretty much on all of them at this point so just go ahead and make sure you're subscribed to that and especially if we're talking itunes leave us a review we haven't had an itunes review in quite some time so we will be able to discern by your five star itunes review that you are an intelligent individual anything less well you know what happens to traitors <laughs> You put him on that that speeder bike. <laughs> there you go. Um, Boom goes the speeder bike. Yeah. So yeah, do Took that. Took me a second. Make us happy. Yeah, that's right. You had to go back. That's that was last season. Um, I know. That's why it took me a second. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. I have right. good recall, but it's not instant recall. Hey. Nor total recall because you know I prefer the newer one, and everybody hates me because I don't like the original. But whatever. It's, I don't even know how to end the show anymore. Uh, I know, I know. So, so thank you for listening. That's what, that's what you need to say, something like that. Yeah, and, and, and well, I mean, I know how. I just don't know how I was ever going to get to it. But, uh, hey, guys, never that's forget. That's my fault. Anytime now. You didn't say your thing. I did. You just talked over me. Oh, so you're going to cut me out? N- well, no. Never forget. We'll try again. Win. There we go. When I look in my father's eyes, my father's eyes. When I look in my father's eyes, my Yeah.
And if the Wookiee says that they're painted miniatures, then they better be freaking painted miniatures. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I think if you tell the Wookiee that they're painted miniatures, you better have painted miniatures. But if the miniature, but if the Wookiee says painted miniatures, well, I think it pretty much just whatever the Wookiee wants. Oh, that that's that's true. That's yeah. true. I was kind of backwards on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's cool. It's you're a dad now. All right, you got dad brain. Well, I've got the dad puns. I've had the dad puns for a while, so I figure on that sense I'm good. The rest, I'll figure it out. Can, can I say it again? Thank you, Babies or Us, for going out of business. That's <laughs> the worst thing ever. <laughs> I know, but we're getting all kinds of stuff. It's so bad. I got, like, I got a stroller that turns into a carrier that turns into a car seat and stuff like that, and I didn't have to spend a million dollars. No, but it you only got 20% off. So it's money that I then was able to spend on, you know, the high chair that was 20% off. People are losing their jobs. Oh, come on. How many people worked at Babies R Us? Oh, oh, I'm hearing it was many. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a jackass. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, or, or I apologize. I don't even know what that means. Alec Baldwin? Oh. Saturday Night Live? Trump? Bad. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. It's not funny anymore. Doesn't watch Saturday Night Live. Sad. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, we can just buy three by three freaking oh, play mats for game that's not even fucking out yet. <laughs> I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, add I that love to this the stuff. end there. Yep. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll start now. Okay. <laughs>